Highway Pinball is liquidated. Thunderbirds Are Go is in production. Iron Maiden Limited Edition revealed. Hi and welcome to uh, this month's summary or last month's summary uh, by Pinball News and Pinball Magazine. My name is Jonathan Houston. And, and I'm Martin Ayer from Pinball News. Welcome Martin. Thank you Jonathan. It's good to, good to be back. Right. So uh, in case people missed it, um, we had a, a sort of in-between podcast podcast <laughs> earlier uh, this month in which we had an interview with Jersey Jack uh, Gornieri. Um So straight off the top, we're not going to cover Pirates of the Caribbean and that whole uh, uh, situation, which sort of seems to be resolving right, quite now. I think most people are accepting the fact that there are discs removed, but in the end, this will still be a great game. But for all the details on that, please listen to podcast number two, because there we have Jack Guarnieri himself explaining the whole situation. Yes, we were fortunate enough to uh, all three of us to be at the uh, Flip Expo show in France uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, we, so we took the opportunity to have a, have a chat with Jack and to get the you know the word from the horse's mouth. And um, Jack was uh, was very kind to to do that interview with us in uh, <laughs> somewhat trying circumstances around the back of the hall in, uh, in a lovely weekend though at. Um, the Trepot in uh, in Normandy, and um, yeah, I think we got a, a good result out of that, and hopefully those who who listen to it will agree with that. So thanks to Jack for that. Yeah, and, um, and that kind of covers the uh, Jersey Jack situation at the moment. I don't think there's any any particular news from Jersey Jack that we're going to be record, reporting on on this particular uh, podcast. Is it, Jonathan? No, I don't think there was any news after that. Okay, so that was all very good. Um, so moving on to this this uh, podcast's headlines, and um, I guess the first one of those that we probably want to look at is the situation with Highway Pinball, right? Uh, a a, a UK based company. So that probably automatically means it's something which I'm going to talk about. I was uh, going to say so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, now it's been um, a tortuous time for the company over the past few weeks. Um, about, I guess about three weeks ago, the staff were informed that the company was, was going to be shut down uh, and they were all going to lose their jobs, uh, which is obviously not a very nice situation for anybody involved. They, um, the company closed, it's worth actually going back a little bit and, and looking at who the company now is because uh, Andrew Highway, who obviously ran the company for the best part of six years, uh, six plus years actually, um, and after whom it's named, left in June last year. So he hasn't actually been running the company since then. In the past nine months, it's been looked after by a group of investors who took over from Andrew in June of 2017. And um, at this point, they have decided that they are going to liquidate the company, which means basically that any of the assets that remain in the company will be sold off and the, the funds used to um, reimburse those people who are owed money by the company. Now, that, that's different from just sort of shutting it down. And I think this is, this is a voluntary liquidation. It's not enforced. I don't think any creditors have actually pushed the company be liquidated. The the directors 
uh, in charge of the company have decided to go down the liquidation route, which means that the company shuts any asset, any equipment, any parts, any uh, anything that could be sold is sold, and the money is then used to repay people who are owed money in a very strict order. And there are preferred creditors and there are unpreferred creditors. I was about to ask, because obviously there's people who have uh, prepaid for either a full throttle or an alien game, but there's also the investors who are apparently, I assume, entitled to something because they put money in as well. Well, they actually are relatively low down on the list of people who get their money back. Um, first and foremost uh, is the tax authority, which is, in this case, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. So if they are owed any tax money, they have first call on anything. But before that, let's go and look at what those assets actually are, because there's been some movement in that, shall we say. Let's not um, prejudge it. But it seems that from the point when Andrew left Highway Pinball, another company was established called Pinball Brothers. Right. And that was the directors of that were, were the directors of Highway Pinball, the same directors. Right. And since Before Andrew left... Sorry, carry on. But you were also uh, basically the four main investors in the company, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct, yeah. Yes, they they were the ones who put the money in originally um, to keep the company going. Um, but um, they are also the directors of this company called Pinball Brothers. And Pinball Brothers seems, and I, I, this is just how it looks, seems they have shifted all the purchasing of parts and the sales of machines through this Pinball Brothers company rather than Highway Pinball. So, and, and, and probably it would also looks like as though they, they've moved the license for future games to Pinball Brothers as well. Right, right. Which means if Highway Pinball is liquidated, it doesn't actually kind of have any assets any, anymore because everything is now owed to Pinball Brothers. And over the past few weeks, from what I've been told... All the stock and all the completed machines have been shipped out of the company and moved to, I think, uh, Sweden. Right, right. Which is where two where of two the four investors are located, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Um, so what is left in the company now to be liquidated? Well, not all, in fact, very little, as I understand, of the major equipment in the factory was owned by Highway Pinball. Some of it was leased. Some of it was was rented from from other individuals. What about all those machines that Andrew bought? Well, there was a number of them. Um, things like uh, the CNC router, for instance, I understand, I've been told, was not owned by the company. It was actually owned by somebody else. Uh, and they were able to go in there and recover that before the doors were closed on the factory. Um, the printer, I believe, was was bought on a finance deal. So, strictly speaking, it belonged to the finance company. Um, and other bits of equipment, well, they were bought um, in various ways. Some of them were bought from sort of um, business auctions where other companies that have failed or uh, or um, where the equipment's been recovered from another company after right. others they've not paid. Uh, that was sold off relatively cheaply. Um, 
So I think the actual value of what's left inside that factory is pretty minimal and is unlikely to cover the fees of the liquidator. Right. So in, a, in, in essence, I think the result from that is that anybody who's owed any money from highway pinball isn't going to get anything out of it. Right. But then, then since... Um, games were sh uh, moved to Sweden, apparently. Then the question is, what is going to happen with these games? Uh, yes, yeah, so I guess we're talking about alien games at this point. Um, that's a good question. And I, I've heard various rumors about that. I've heard that games are being offered to people for sale. Uh, I've also heard that because supposedly the alien license expired at the end of the year, end of last year, and there was only there's a kind of like a 90 day sell-off period where you can you can get rid of existing stock, right. but you can't you can't make any new or sell any new stock. That these these games are not being sold as new; they're being sold as demo games or um, second-hand you know, or whatever. So yeah, they're effectively new in box, but you know they're not brand new. Uh, in, under the terms of the license with Fox right. for, for selling of, of Alien games. That's what I've heard. I've no confirmation of any of that. But it certainly seems like a bit of a murky situation of what's going on there. But, and um, I was um, going to for... carry on with, um, with future licenses, but did, did you want to talk about Alien a little more? Well, I figured, um, actually what I was about to say ties in with what you're saying very well. Um, apparently they are looking into continuing with uh, 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 the Queen license that they have, because apparently that was not available for uh, Deep Root Pimble, who in, uh, inquired about that. Um, so that makes me wonder, well, since they're already making Alien uh, games and they already got an extension once, they might as well get a new extension. Um, yeah, although I guess it would be in, in the name of a different company this time, if Highway Pinball doesn't exist, so maybe it's not that simple. But maybe they, they think that Alien you know, has, too, has enough issues with it that it's not worth pursuing that any further and they're better off starting with a new license and, and a new game um, and one they think will maybe have a wider appeal. But I don't know. That's that's a guess on my part. But um, I guess the also the the important news is that um, Pinball News has uh, an exclusive interview with Andrew Highway. Right. Which uh, and I have to let me jump in here. No, no, please uh, do. Because um, since Andrew was no longer involved, it's actually quite odd that he uh, basically uh, stuck up his head and interfered and and came with an, uh, a statement which turns out to be the most downvoted post ever on Pinside, with over 250 downvotes already. Um, and, um, but one could wonder, why would he say anything? I mean, he left the ship, why go back to it? Well, I think the reason is because he's getting a lot of the blame for the situation. And, and probably um, rightfully so, because what he, what he to left... To an extent... What yeah, I think that, I think that's true, and and he will stick his hand up and 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 admit to his failings in various areas well, that would in be the interview. First. Well, no, well, you have to read it and find out exactly what it is he says. Um, but um, there's also an awful lot of stuff that's coming out, and he's getting the blame for you know for what happened with people who pre-ordered games, and 
he believed, he says, that as part of the takeover by the, the investor group, that all those pre-orders and, and part payments were going to be either you know, fully fulfilled or refunded as required by, by you know, as people ask for refunds, they get refunds. If people wanted machines, they'll get machines. Right. So everybody asked for a refund. Well, no, not everybody asked for a refund, believe it or not. No, but there's a lot of people you know, read, the, read the post by the investor group on Pinside when they took over saying we are going to, you know, we're going to fulfill all the orders, we're going to go ahead with this game, those people who want refunds, they get refunds. But, you know, it's Alien is a really nice game. So those people who bought it early got, got it or would have got it for a very reasonable price. Some people did. Right. Um, and the, and those and part of that initial pitch by the investor group was, oh, by the way, we're putting up the price of Alien. So if you get out now and want to get back in, it's going to cost you a lot more money. So there was an incentive to not get out. So those people who, who had prepaid, either in part or in full, were encouraged to, to stay in and get their orders. Right. Now, in a number of cases, they never got either. They didn't get their money back and they didn't get their game. So, you know, is that Andrew's fault? No, that's it, not Andrew's fault. But um, you can, you have to look at the company that Andrew left when he left it and the state it was in. And up to that point, it's Andrew's fault. And then the uh, I get the feeling that the, uh, and this is just a feeling, but the investor groups basically were left with a crippled company trying to make it work. And in the end, it didn't. So then you can wonder, is that the fault of the, uh, of the new investors or, or the, the investor group? Or is that the fault of the, of the person who run the company into the ground in the first place? Well, absolutely. That, that is one of the key questions that I've asked Andrew as part of this interview. And he's got a very comprehensive answer to that, uh, which I don't want to go into now because he, he, you know, he can say in his own words exactly what the situation was at the time he left and what the promises made by the investors was uh, were, I should say. So, wait for the interview, which probably by the time you hear this, it'll probably be on the Pinball News site. Um, at the moment, I'm still working on it. I've got a few more answers to questions to put in, in there and make it into a fully rounded package. Um, so. But it, it, it'll hopefully be on the, on the website by, um, well, in the next 24 hours, um, and probably by the time you, you hear this, this uh, podcast. Right. So speaking of that interview, um, you announced that you were going to interview Andrew Highway on Pinside, which I find very brave. Um, <laughs> not everybody was happy with that, and a lot of people came up with really, sh um, <laughs> well, not that interesting questions. But on the other hand... Um, your intent was to do like uh, a, a Skype call, uh, record that and put that verbatim online and, and we refused to do that. Um, it's, yes. Uh, well, first of all, I went, I went to Pinside because that's where a large amount of the, the accusations and um, the claims about what happened to the company were taking place. So I thought, well, if anybody's got any questions about what happens... That's the place to ask them. Totally aware that, you know, you're walking into the lion's den, you're liable to get your head bitten off, but what the heck, what's to lose? You know, that was actually my first ever post on Pinside, so I thought I'd give it a go, um, all or nothing, you know. And, yeah, okay, I will get criticised straight away for even attempting to do this, but, you know, what the, what the heck? I've, I've done interviews with 
Kevin Kulek in the past about the whole predator situation. I'm not afraid of asking difficult questions, and a lot of people will assume they're all going to be softball questions because Andrews, they say, you know, Andrews a big friend of yours. You know, you're a big, big buddies together, and yeah, we. You know, I, I don't deny that that Andrew and I have have a, a good friendship or have had a good friendship over the years. Um, we've got along well together. We shared hotel rooms at pinball shows. Um, he's always paid me back every every penny that he's owed me, so I've no no beef with him. Um, so, yeah, so people read into that that I'm going to give him a softball interview. Well, you will see that I'm asking the hard questions and getting some difficult answers and, and Andrew is admitting to a, a significant number of failings on his part as well. But, um, yeah, so I went to Pinside to do that. Uh, the original intention, as you say, was to do a Skype interview. Uh, that's how I would have preferred to do it because I like you know, like these things. You're hearing people's um, people talking in their own voice without having pre-prepared questions, pre-prepared answers. Um, you ask them a question, you get their uh, their instant reaction to it. Right. You, you know, it's it's not something they've had a chance to to think about too much in depth. Okay, sometimes they will they'll be able to guess. You know, people will be able to guess what kind of questions you're going to ask, but to be able to hear the the intonation in people's voice is is important i think so that's what i wanted to capture as part of that um but andrew was afraid that in addressing some of the some of the questions and uh, actions of other people he might lead himself into a situation where he caused legal problems he might libel or slander himself in saying something which maybe it's true maybe it's his interpretation maybe it's something that is his understanding but he has no means of backing it up you know in if it, if it ever went to court so he didn't want to do that what he asked for was um, that i give him the questions in advance so he could work out what he was going to say to make sure that didn't happen now i'm not happy about doing that i want people to to answer questions as they're, as they're given to them, you know, so they, I ask, ask a question, they think about it and they give a reply, not they spend an hour working out what they're going to say. And I don't want to go into an interview with, with a person who knows exactly what all the questions are going to be in advance. Right. So, so I said, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I said, what I will do is we'll record it. And if there's anything in there, which you think is libelous or slanderous, we'll either, you know, beep it or take that bit out. But, the rest of it needs to be verbatim. And then he said, well, I, I want to want to have uh, final editorial control over this. And um, you know, if it's if I'm not happy the way it's gone, I don't want it to go out. And I said, okay, well, that's in that case, we're not doing it. And that's a, that's a red line I can't cross. Um, I need to be able to have editorial control over what we publish. Right. Um, so I said, okay, well, all we can do then is we can do a written version, which... You could argue very easily that, you know, well, you're giving him the questions in advance and he's giving you the answers, right. which is true. So I don't have to say that anymore. No, no exactly. No, that's fair. Um, but it's not an audio interview. It's not a fake interview, you know, which it would be. If I, if I gave him all the questions in advance, it would be a fake interview because he'd right. know what I'm going to ask. At least this way, everybody knows I've given him the questions in advance and his responses. Uh, I don't like doing it that way because it doesn't give me much of an opportunity to dive in in the middle of a question or in the middle of an answer if he's saying something and I go, but hang on, what about? Or, but you said, 
and then you know, interrupt him and, and put him back on points. But I can do that to an extent retrospectively. You know, he gives a reply and I can go back to him by email and say, you said this, but what about that? Yeah. And then he'll, he can give me a reply to that by email. It's, well, it's a lot more stilted. It's not so free-flowing. But um, I think it's important that this interview is done. And if that's the way that we do it, that's the way we do it. Right. Okay. Well, um, I, I guess thanks on behalf of all the people waiting to hear from Andrew for doing this interview. Um, and it will be available uh, on pinballnews.com uh, probably by the time this uh, podcast is available. Yes, hopefully, yes. Right. There's one last thing in the whole highway pinball matter that I would like to uh, briefly mention. Um, Andrew, uh, or Andrew, Highway Pinball's main designer, Dave Sanders, apparently had a very bad deal with the company. And um, Sean Harvey was uh, kind enough to start a GoFundMe campaign uh, online uh, for, where people can... Uh, basically uh, donate money to the Dave Sanders Fund so that he at least gets a little bit of compensation uh, because he wasn't really in a, a very good uh, situation if I, if you read the uh, the stories online. If people Absolutely. Wanna, yeah, if people want to uh, uh, donate, whatever, uh, $10, $15, $20, $50, 100 whatever, Go to www.gofundme.com slash dave-sanders-fund and there they can donate and um, and hopefully make uh, the situation a little bit more um, uh, pleasant for Dave Sanders. Yes, I think that's, that's absolutely um, a good situation. Um, Dave's... The situation Dave finds himself in is a... Difficult one, and it's. I don't want to preempt the interview too much, but it is certainly addressed in that interview. Um, and I won't say any more. I'll just say read the interview, you'll see it's maybe not as clear cut as you might think it is. Right. So, uh, <laughs> but in it, but the end result is that Dave is in a bad situation, and I'm sure any any contributions anybody can make would be gratefully received. Right. So, um, so please go to that uh, page if you um, uh, want to sympathise with Dave Sanders. That's I think that's the best way to uh, to put it. Yeah. So then, in other news. Yes, so Thunderbirds. Um, Thunderbirds are go, to give it its full title, or tag for the short. Right. Um, being made by Homepin. In, um, which is an Australian company, but they are actually have a factory in China. So. They, they do, and um, they are, no, they've been making a lot of other games, mostly video games, I think. Um, they've been doing some Hankin games. Um, and they have, um, Thunderbirds are go is their first production pinball game right they also have been doing a lot of um, uh, reproduction parts of uh, PCB boards for certain games or uh, boards that are not easily available or uh, like, like Italian Zakaria boards uh, that kind of stuff I think uh, if I'm not mistaken but okay so they are no, no stranger to pinball let's put it like that 
Absolutely. And they were showing their Thunderbirds Argo game at a trade show in China. Is that correct? Yes, it was the uh, AAA uh, trade show. Um, um, I saw photos of their booth, which was actually a very tiny booth, but at least there, were, uh, there was a lot of interest. Um, Stern was also present at the same show. Um, in person by Gary Stern and uh, Dave Peterson uh, with three games um, from the top of my head I say Batman, Star Wars and Aerosmith were at the show um, which is interesting because apparently those are themes or um, that nobody knows in China Yes, it's, it's a surprise um, but I guess Probably all recent Stern games are probably titles that nobody in China knows either. Right. So, okay, then then I can see why Stern is trying, but um, you might want to consider re-theming a current design and make it more um, uh, interesting for the Chinese market, if that's the market that you want to get into. But obviously, there's a price tag attached to that as well. Yes, not only yeah, price tag um, and new assets. It's it's quite a large job, really. I'm sure to to uh, completely retheme a game, and um, and to get all the necessary sound clips and video clips because obviously you know, with a a, a large scale DMD ga- or um, LCD game, you know they can't just simply um, reuse existing assets on the on the display. Now you have to you have to use you know, complete custom display um, right. and clips. But um, but we're supposed to be talking about Thunderbirds, Argo, and um, while we give all credit for Stern for trying to break into China, um, so let's talk Thunderbirds, Argo being in production. And it took a long time. I think the game was announced like four years ago at least, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so, at least, yes. Um, and I think it, it, was, it was announced before the actual Thunderbirds, Argo TV series was uh, was aired, um, but since then it's 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 been aired and it's probably in its second or third even season by now, and um, so it's it's you know I'm not not sure exactly how hot a license Thunderbirds Argo is. Um, certainly, it varies considerably by region. Um, it was never a a really big um, license in the intended market, which was the US. It um, it did very very well in um, Australia and New Zealand and in the UK, um, but um, I think even um, even Homepin themselves, Mike, uh, would accept that that uh, the US is probably not the the primary market for that game. Right. Now he said that on multiple occasions, and uh, I think he's even uh, well. He's currently busy fulfilling uh, pre-orders that are going to ship to Australia and New Zealand, I suppose. Um, what I understood was that uh, there was a request to have one of the games, uh, uh, one of the Thunderbird games at Pinball Expo, and apparently there's no time to get a game ready that's not already spoken for uh, to go to Expo, so that's unlikely to happen, unless yeah. somebody in the US like uh, a distributor has a game and brings that to the show. That might, that could happen. That's interesting because Thunderbirds Ago will be at UK Pinfest in uh, August. Right. Uh, the UK presumably being 
a larger market or a larger expected market than the US. Um, so games are going to shows, but yeah, not Pinball Expo. Um, I know a little bit apparently. about the background of why that game is going to be there. Uh, apparently, that game is going to be to the uh, is going to the licensor, but before heading or sending it to the licensor as uh, their game of proof, I suppose you could call it, um, it will be at the show. Mm, you would have thought the licensor would have got one before they actually went into production, wouldn't you? Um, well, they, I think they got the game in parts uh, uh, ahead, so they could approve all the parts up front, but now they get one completed and assembled. Right, okay. Well, um, if, if you want to play the game, um, I don't know what, what other shows it's going to be at, but UK Pinfest is um, at the, the Daventry uh, Mercure in... Um, in August, I believe. Um, I need to need to get my room booked for that one. So do I. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, so it, well, it's interesting. And uh, what I understood is that Mike Kalinowski, the owner of HomePin, is going to be present at that show as well. So that's that, that could be fun. Um, I think it's going to be a good show. It's a, it's a, it's a return of the of a national UK show, uh, which is on August twenty fifth and twenty sixth at the uh, at the, the uh, Mercure Hotel in Daventry. And um, yeah, we'll we'll certainly be there. And um, it should be you know it's it be a fun weekend. It's uh, we didn't have a, a UK show last year, and um, with it with with a not being a, a Belgian open this year. Um, UK show could, could fill a little bit of that gap. Right, okay. Um, I guess that's, for now, that's all there is to say about uh, Thunderbirds Argo uh, being in production. Yes, I think so, yeah. So let's move on to our third headline, which was um, the recent reveal of the limited edition version of Stern's Iron Maiden game. Right. Um, so, uh, what's your what's your th what's your take on that, Jonathan? Actually, I um, didn't look into it that much in the sense that um, all the limited edition games were already spoken for, and to me, it was sort of like um, it was basically an announcement to all the distributors that ordered games, like this is what you ordered. Yeah, true. It, and showing showing the art package for those uh, for those buyers who signed up for the game, which is a, a different art package to that on previously shown on the pro version. Right. And is um, personally, I, I think it uh, looks beautiful. I, I think um, oh, no, they've done no, a really good job on it. No argument on the artwork. I mean, Jeremy Pecker, uh, Zombietti, the artist on the game, did a tremendous job. Um, at least from not being an Iron Maiden fan, from what I can see, it will be interesting to see how actual Iron Maiden fans respond to it, because the artwork of Iron Maiden has always been one of the uh, unique selling points, I'd say, of uh, the group and their, the, the way they present themselves. Um, so that, that will be interesting. But from a pinball uh, enthusiast perspective, I'd say the game looks absolutely gorgeous, although I really have nothing with Iron Maiden whatsoever. Yeah, I, I take your point, and I'm, I, I do like their music, um, and you know it's part of my regular playlist of music when I'm traveling to and from work, but I'm not you know, a, a fan in the sense that I haven't followed their progress and the band lineup changes and 
and the and the various albums that they produce over the years, um, other than you know, the obvious ones. So, looking at this particular game, I think they they've done a really wonderful, or generally done a wonderful job with the artwork. There's some some nice features there that are Ellie exclusive. Um, the, um, the the whole artwork package and the fact it's we're back to a a proper back glass, you know, that that's really cool to see. You know, rather than just having a regular translite, which has become something of a sort of you know, cut-down version, looks like Stern are actually putting some serious money into this now and making the LE version really worthwhile having. Um, not, to, not to say the premium is not going to be good as well, because the playfields are going to be the same, but but the whole package that's that's put together with the with the upgraded speakers, the um, the JBL speakers in the back box for the limited edition. Um, exclusive, the red trim on the on the uh, side armor right. look really matches the rest of the game. So I think they've done a good job with that. And some additional uh, shots on the on the playfield as well. Um, and you have to give uh, absolute kudos to uh, designer Keith Alwyn. I mean, his Archer layout, which was eventually turned out to be uh, used on on this game, uh, as a whitewood, it was already incredible fun to flip. And uh, he turned it into a great game. I absolutely agreed. Yes, it was. Um, it was almost, you know, it was a great game waiting for a for a, an accessible theme. I suppose. I mean, Archer was fun, was great fun to play. But how many people actually knew what Archer was internationally? You know, outside the US, it, I don't think it really got much of an airing. Well, so that is an interesting uh, point that uh, because I had never heard of Archer, um, but I found it easier to um, uh, to get into than, say, any given superhero Marvel theme. Because with, with, the, with the Marvel themes, um, well, you need to know sort of like who is who and who has which powers or whatever, all those kind of... Uh, and I'm completely not into any of those superhero type of movies. So I have no clue who... Captain America is, for example, or, you know, and with those games, um, I'm just flipping it and I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. When I was playing the Archer Whitewood, I could instantly see, like, we got a great layout here. It's very innovative. We got four flippers. And what I love about that, um, the two upper flippers are positioned in such a way that you have a sort of um, a loop within a loop if that makes sense. But once mm. you have a multiple going and you get balls in uh, in front of those flippers at the top, if you see how you can shoot two balls at the same time, going in opposite directions and then crossing, it's just simply beautiful. Like That's the only <laughs> way. Yeah, it is. And um, so that's very innovative, I'd say, uh, from, from Keith Elwin. Um, and as far as the theme, I was not familiar with Archer whatsoever, but for some reason it was easier for me to get into that, and I, I got the, the, the sort of black humor that the show is, uh, uh, or the, sh the show contains. So um, for me it was easier to get into than, like I said, the, the superhero themes. But Oh yeah, I understand that, yes. I mean, I, I didn't know Archer at all either, but, but yeah, you, you know, you can see, you can get the jokes straight away in the funny one-liners from Archer. Um, but Iron Maiden, 
I think it's a good fit. It seems to work well. It's nice to see return of the shaker motor as well on the LE. You know, it seems like they and the and the and the, uh, the anti-reflective glass. It looks like they're not cheaping out on uh, on the higher end models anymore, and um, so and reproducing like something which is which is worth worthy of an LE title. Right. So it appears that Stern is sort of listening to feedback. Um, because on previous occasions where it looked like they were cheapening out on games, uh, people were vocal about that, and apparently they paid attention. Yeah, they're either listening to feedback or they're looking at what, what their their um, their competitors are doing with their with their top end games and uh, and looking to to try and match or beat that. Right. So, um, and while we're on the topic of Stern Pinball. Um, mm -hmm. Cassandra Peterson, El, uh, Elvira, um, sort of confirmed to a group of pinsiders that were at a uh, some sort of Comic-Con type of uh, thing where she also was, that the game is, uh, her pinball game is happening. And in fact, she was, uh, at the time of that interview, a week away from doing the voice call recordings for the game. And yes, um, at, the, at the Texas show, uh, George Gomez said that they were definitely going to be doing it, but they hadn't assigned a software programmer to the game yet, so it was kind of in a sort of sort of dormant state. So it's good to hear from 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 that that you know, steps are being taken to move the game forward with the recording of of quotes from Cassandra. Right. So and apparently uh, the artwork is uh, gorgeous. She obviously seen that because she has to approve it. And the game is scheduled either, according to her, either for um, late 2018 or early 2019. My pick would be early 2019. Yeah, it sounds like we've got enough games coming out at the end of 2018 um, with, you uh, know, potentially a um, a game or, or two right. even being released around about Expo time. So, yes, 2019 would be a, a good fit for Stern. And it gives them plenty of time to get the code to up to a decent um, level of code before releasing the game. And talking of code, um, I understand that uh, American Pinball have also been br bringing out um, an updated code version for their Houdini title. Right. Stern also published, uh, I think, code updates for, from the top of my head, I'm saying Batman and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, certainly Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I, I think Batman 2, but it's not yet version 1, I don't think, for Batman. No. I think that's still to come. It's not the final well, release version, if you want, but obviously it's been out a while now, so it's been released. Right. But it's, it's not everything that, that um, George and Lyman and everybody wants it to be just yet, but it's, it's on the way. Right. And um, in conclusion, uh, before wrapping over uh, or going over to uh, American Pinball, um, Stern Pinball... Um, also, apparently, have made special Iron Maiden coasters, which were uh, shown on their Facebook. Um, so it will be interesting to see where these will show up and what they will do with them. But I love to see this kind of creative marketing. Well, it takes us back to the to uh, the old Williams days. They used to produce coasters from the cutouts from the from the speaker panels. I don't know if these are uh, where they actually come from, or they're actually dedicated. Uh, products that they're producing, you would think it would probably probably need to be licensed separately if if uh, Stern is selling them. Um, but uh, yeah, but coasters. Well, sorry, carry on. Licensing uh, the, the license or the approval for those coasters was uh, apparently uh, 
not a big deal. It was done like in uh, on the first go. Yes, go ahead. Excellent. Okay, well, it must be it must be good if Fire and Maiden's licensing company is uh, is happy with them straight away. Right. So uh, the the interesting thing will be will these be like coasters like what you mentioned the previous uh, speaker cutouts that. Uh, we used to know from from the Williams days, or are they actual coasters that you have on 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 bars? Um, you know, like like the the, the cardboard paper ones. I, uh, what, what's the material? I'm not sure how to call that, but well, I think you're right. It's just cardboard in most cases, but I, I doubt I doubt there'll be that. I think uh, there'll probably be uh, either at least um, at least plastic uh, or or a felt back plastic, so they're a little higher quality than just. You know, regular cutouts from the sheet of butyrate that, that they make the rest of the game out of. Well, even if they are cardboard, I think it would be uh, it's an interesting way to promote your game, and it makes them also kind of collectible because they are disposable. True, and of course there are there are Iron Maiden beers out there, which would be a perfect match for that. Um, there's Trooper and there's uh, there's, an, there's another one which I can't quite remember the name of, but uh, Trooper, uh, both brewed by Robinson beer in the UK and um, it's a lovely beer I would recommend anybody who's into into their ales to try Trooper as a, as a beer and I'm sure that their, their follow up beer is, is also very good so getting these coasters will be a, an ideal match for that right so um, now you were already discussing American Pinball a code update for Houdini yeah absolutely um, that's about all the news I got from American Pimble for this month. Yeah, I don't think there's anything... Uh, they haven't. don't seem to be close to announcing their second game at this point. Well, I, uh, we know what it's going to be, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, r- remind us. Um, well, I think at the Texas Pimble Festival, uh, Joe Bolser confirmed that they are going for Oktoberfest. Yeah, which I think everybody thought was a bit of a strange title and is one which uh, Python had been pitching for a long time over at Williams. That's right, isn't it? Yes, and Joe as well to Gary Stern uh, back in the day when he was still working for Stern. Uh, so it's definitely a theme that uh, he seems to believe in. Um, but it, Interesting though, isn't it? Because it's, it's, it's certainly going to... I don't know. Maybe narrow the market at um, who who would be interested in it. It's not. It's obviously not a license. I mean, they did really well with Houdini, and it's it's a well, it's a license. Could, it's not a license. It could be a good a good thing that it's not a license because that will allow them to put in a lot more humor if they want to, like in the old days of uh, Belly Williams, I'd say. True, but um, need need to see some kind of evidence that. They're up to doing humorous games if that's the way they want to go with it. Right. So um, it will also be interesting to see where they are going to sell it because obviously they do have. Um, I assume they have distribution, for example, for uh, uh, Germany, which in this mm-hmm. case would be a key territory. But from the way I understand it, Germany is no longer a key territory like it was in the eighties and the nineties. Well. I don't know. If you look at you look at um, the the scale of the operation from Pinball Universe, for instance, yes, that would indicate they're they're a massive target well, because uh, they have multiple warehouses across the country. They're distributors for JDP now, as well as Stern. And you look in their warehouses; they got absolutely you know, true. dozens and dozens of Stern games on the shelves, which which they 
if you ask them, you know, how come you have this, this much stock? They say, because we sell this right. much stock. Oh, oh, I absolutely agree. But they sell mostly to collectors. Back in the day, in the, in the, in the 80s, um, all these belly games that were going into Germany, they were even making belly games in Germany because it was cheaper to, in, instead of shipping them, just to manufacture them in, um, uh, in Germany. Um, mm -hmm. But those games were all going on location, and those days are sort of gone. That's what I'm trying to say. So the huge operator's market that Germany once was is no longer there. That's true. Although Germany is a is a market is a market in flux, it always is um, because laws keep changing in that country as to what's allowed as far as um, slot machines go. So you know, they, they for a while they were. Well, in fact, they think they still are. They cancelled their their annual trade show, the IMA show, because right. of all the changes in legislation. Nobody quite knew what they were allowed to sell and what they weren't allowed to sell anymore. I think. Pinball's been a, a, a constant through all that, in that it's always been legal and it's always been available. Right. Um, so, you know, every downturn in, in in gaming or gambling machines has always presented an opportunity for pinball to to you know to to make inroads on that market. Right. So, but let's see how they do, what they come out with eventually. Um, but for now, as far as American pinball goes, I guess this is. Um, all the news there is this month, uh, but uh, it's good to see that they are still updating Houdini, and uh, I assume that they are still building uh, games and uh, sending them out. Uh, obviously, we don't get daily updates on that, but um, neither do other companies. Uh, so nothing, nothing yep. odd going on there, as far as I can see. And um, if Oktoberfest is going to be their second game, then I assume that Joe Balser is currently working on the design of that. And uh, we just have to wait and see when they're ready to show something. And Well, you would hope it would be ready in time for October, wouldn't you? Um, yes, but <laughs> given the, 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 with, especially after the, 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 the current highway pinball situation, um, American pinball probably will have to try to get to a situation where when they start showing the game that they also have games ready to immediately ship. Uh, I think one of the, the... I think Jack mentioned it already in the podcast that we uh, did, the interview that we did uh, two weeks ago, that the days of sh uh, showing a game and then uh, going into production months and months later, those are over. Now you have to go be in production, show the game and have games ready to sell when you when you start um, uh, promoting them, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's true. That's certainly something. Well, Stern have done, always done that pretty much. Um, that's something that Chicago Gaming were very big on in 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 being able to be able to you know sell games the moment they release or they announce their next title. That's why that's why they say they weren't um, showing their latest title in Texas because they weren't ready to actually sell it yet. Right, and uh, they didn't show it in the, at the Midwest Gaming Classic either. But it's a nice bridge, actually, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, no, no, go, go for it. Then, uh, speaking of Chicago gaming, um, no news regarding the third remake title has been announced, as far as I know. Um, but what is interesting, uh, and it could just be another um, teaser 
I would say, uh, for which dogs course that they, they love doing these. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, uh, Northwest um, uh, Pinball and Arcade Show posted, um, uh, I think it was either on their website or a social media platform, whatever. Yeah. Um, they, they do have a, um, uh, a raffle or uh, going on or something. There's something going on that people can win a pinball machine and it was announced that that would be a uh, new inbox Monster Bash remake. It was only <laughs> there for like a few seconds. They took it down and then they replaced it with a brand new inbox pinball machine. Mm. But someone caught it and put it on pin side, so um, take from that what you <laughs> what you want. Uh, Monster Bash obviously has been rumored to be probably the most uh, and uh, well anticipated, or at least the, the title most people are expecting it to be. Yes, I think that's right. Um, to be honest, looking forward now with the Northwest Pinball Show being in June, so we're looking at that next month. Um, the, the only other show between now and then would, or a major show, it's probably worth saying, obviously plenty of other events taking place, um, but the next major show and US show is going to be the Golden State Pinball Festival. Well, and there's Allentown, uh, isn't that this weekend? Uh, it, 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 but it's not there. We, we know, at the time we we're recording this, we know that, uh, that nothing's there. Right. That show from Chicago Gaming. Right. So we're looking at mid-May into early June. If they were going to announce something, maybe maybe early June at the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show in um, Tacoma would be a good good point at which to do it. Which Otherwise, a great show to go to, by the way. I highly recommend it. Absolutely, I should be there myself. Um, but also worth pointing out that that same weekend there are two other shows. Right. taking place there's the rocky mountain pinball showdown uh, which is also a wonderful show and the uh, southern pride gaming expo another wonderful event down in uh, atlanta so unfortunately all three on the same weekend this year i'm told they won't be all on the same weekend next year um so um, a little more choice there but uh, yeah uh, i would recommend going to one of those <coughs> so bless you thank you as me diving for the button to uh, mute my microphone and obviously missed it. Right. Um, that's okay. So, um, Spooky Pinball. Hmm. Yes. What do you want to talk about with Spooky this time? Well, there's, um, I guess there's not much news other than that they are very busy um, showing uh, both Total Nuclear Annihilation and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle at uh, pinball shows. Um, they, uh, uh, Scott Denisi did uh, release a uh, code update for Total Nuclear Annihilation. And um, um, personally, I'm curious to see at what, at what point in time they will start taking uh, Alice Cooper's game into production. But I have no news on that. Um, no, it's quite a nice situation to be in, though, isn't it? Having uh, more pre-orders than they're well, pre-orders, orders than they are able to fulfil at right. the current time. They got a, a good um, sort of um, th th their production line is catered for for the next few months without any issues at all. Well, they have like eight hundred games to make, so yeah. yeah. And um, um, from what I understood from the um, 
Spooky Pinball Podcast. They have their podcast of their own. Visit their website and check those out as well. Um, uh, it looks like sales of um, uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation and Alice Cooper are currently sort of tied. Um, so I guess Alice Cooper is in the 400s as well as Total Nuclear Annihilation. But as Alice Cooper is limited to 500, the expectation is that since Total Nuclear Annihilation keeps selling and selling and selling, that that's likely to be their best-selling game in the end because Alice Cooper's run is limited. Yeah, that's right. Once it goes over 500, then it automatically gains that, that, that slot for, well, for the next year, probably, until they sell 500 of whatever comes after Alice Cooper. Right. So, um, and then there is, that's sort of the last topic on my list, um, and I have to be very careful with this, um, Dutch <laughs> pinball. Um, mm. There is a rumor, and I can't precisely pinpoint where it's coming from, but there's a rumor that um, there is apparently either new investors or new money pumped into the company. Um, Right. Do we know what's actually stopping Zytec from from making um, Big Lebowski's? Is it simply they haven't got them? No, Dutch people don't have the money to pay for them at the moment. I have no idea whether they are uh, stopped right now. As far as I know, um, they are in the process of ordering parts and importing them into China, and that might be um, uh, something that you have to be really good with the uh, Chinese import system because it's very difficult to import parts into China. Um, but they've Quite. done that for, for other uh, uh, manufacturers as well, so they didn't expect any issues there. I don't want to assume that there's any issues there, um, other than then it's taking them a little longer to get production started. So aside from that, the rumor about... Um, new money being available or whatever uh, you want to call it, new investors. Um, I tried to uh, contact Dutch Pinball. I, um, I uh, texted with uh, Jaap and mm -hmm. basically his answer was we don't comment on any rumors. Right, so they've got nothing to announce officially then at this point. Right, so I don't know whether it's true. Um, I can just call it a rumor and that's it. If they have extra money good for them. Um, if mm -hmm. they don't, then I'm still pretty confident that they might um, get production going with Zytec. And, um, we'll just well, have you, to, uh, to wait and see. We certainly hope so. It's, it's been a bit of a, a, bit of a torturous journey um, with a, a couple of false starts so far. So let's hope that Zytec are the way forward and, the, and they can produce that, that game, which you know, there's a lot of people waiting for them, uh, both existing buyers and new buyers. And uh, right. the, the game does keep showing up at various pinball shows, right. although not, well, normally not think... from the distributor. Right. No, um, actually, um, I might as well mention this. Uh, the game was present in uh, at the Lip Tripor show, uh, Flip Expo, that we had our previous podcast from. Yes. Um, actually, I brought it myself. Um, and that was uh, because I knew that the organizers of the show have been requesting for that game for years and years. Um, so I called Barry and um, he was kind enough to give me a game to take to the show. And foolishly, I gave it back to Barry as well. <laughs> Even though you're actually owed a game, is that right? That is correct, yes. Right. 
Okay. But uh, the interesting thing was um, that um, in France, uh, um, the game was very popular. Uh, lots of people played it, everybody loved it, um, and um, people were really asking questions like, okay, when can I buy it, where can I buy it, uh, how much is it? Um, so that does give Dutch Pinball at least a, a good perspective in the sense that once they get production going, and let's hope that that will happen soon, um, there is a market for these games, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, when I was at the show um, in Detroit, uh, Flip Expo, taking pictures in the vendor hall, that was the game that always had the longest queue of people. I don't know whether it's just simply because all the games lasted longer on that than they did on, on uh, any of the others. But all, no, all, the, all the latest games were there. But um, the Big Lebowski was the one that had the longest queue of people waiting to play it. Um, so, yeah, it, it certainly was attracting a lot of attention. And uh, well, from I didn't get to play it, but on behalf of all the people who, who did. So thank you for bringing it, and thank you to Barry and Yap and everybody at Dutch Pinball for, uh, for letting you bring it. Right. Um, and I, I completely agree. Uh, I did get to play it, and it was uh, very playing very snappy, as always. So... Um, um. Jolly good. Okay, so moving on to... Um, from, from games that hopefully will be to games that might have been... Um, there was some action in the uh, in uh, the Zidware slash John Popperduke um, situation this past week. Right. What do we know about what what took place over in Chicago? Well, that's the interesting thing. We don't know much. I'm just going to call it like it is. Um, mm. On pin side, it was sort of, I'd say, celebrated that apparently John Popperduke lost. Um, were let's, just, let's just recap a little and, and say that he was being sued by... A group uh, of 26 people who are, uh, uh, were in on Magic Girl, if I'm correctly informed. I think that's right. I think it's just the Magic Girl case in this particular... I'm not, I don't know if it's all the buyers for that game or a, a group of... A, a subset of the buyers from that game who, who clubbed together in order to fund this case against John to... Uh, to basically, I think they're going to want to get their money back for the, for the amount they spent. Although they have received, or at least some of them have received a game, be it non-functioning or a, a box of lights or whatever you want to call it. Right. So they have something, well, a, but they were still continuing with the case. Right. And um, so what I understood is that um, the court ruled that they are entitled to a refund of some sort, but I have no idea of how much and uh, whether that was worth while all the uh, uh, all the efforts. Um, I um, I don't well, think the trial indicated that John was intentionally fraudless or uh, that it was a Ponzi scheme or anything like that. So it wasn't like a criminal setup where he was uh, deliberately trying to sell people a product that he was had no intention of making. No, I, I, it's my understanding too that um, it was deemed that he was, uh, if you like, uh, incapable of delivering the final game but didn't 
go into the the whole the whole scheme with that intention. He 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 went in with the best of intentions to make the game, but was ultimately unable to deliver it, and therefore needed to refund some of the money that people had paid. And the other thing we don't know about, which is probably even you know, the biggest part of any settlement, would be whether legal costs um, are settled. You know, does John have to pay the plaintiff's legal costs or the um, yeah the the people who are who were suing him? Right. So um, we'll just. Um, uh, what's also interesting is what's uh, the outcome of this case going to mean for the people that ordered either a uh, retro atomic uh, zombies uh, Adventureland, adventure right, <laughs> or Alice in Wonderland uh, game, because obviously those games uh, never got produced. Um, but then there is, that's also tying in with the Deep Root situation, who are currently um, employing John Papaduik and have s sort of shown interest uh, of making those people whole and, and uh, starting to, to producing these games. Um, we'll still have to see how that works out, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a torture situation with the whole um, Magic Girl, Raza, and Alice in Wonderland um, trio because obviously um, the uh, the first game, uh, which the Magic Girl game, which um, John was John's first game or as part of Zidware, was then moved over to American Pinball to produce, which they did produce. Uh, and in, in a way, and now it's gone gone over to um, Deep Root, who also want to produce that game. Um, so it's kind of I don't want to call it a bad penny, which keeps keeps cropping up, but it is it's a title which seems to live on through various companies and various failures um, and various court cases. So it's almost it's a cursed game in a way, but. In the end, it's also a great game. Uh, when the actual game itself, when it, when it, if it was ever completed in the way it was intended to be, would be wonderful. If it would but, flow like it's intended to be, yes. Yes. Whether anybody will ever be able to make it in that form, for a reasonable price or a need at all, uh, and at a, on a reasonable time scale, we'll have to just wait and see. Right. I think the time scale issue is probably already gone, but. Um, it, it may yet come back in in a form which is more marketable and more and more at a reasonable price. Right. So, um, well, since that, we just have to wait and see how things uh, develop on that front. Um, as far as Deep Root goes, um, my take on on that is basically they said like we'll be showing uh, games when we're ready. Um, and my take on that was like, great, then I won't ask any questions until you're ready to show games. <laughs> yeah, they, I think they said they, they're going to show their first game at Texas next year. Yes, they're planning their five days of uh, Deep Root, uh, and the, the last day should be the opening of the Texas Pinball Festival, which, okay, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, well, it certainly seems to be a well-funded company. They, um, they seem to have a good number of employees there and, um, and some capable ones. Um, who knows what's going on down in San Antonio? Well, uh, the only thing that I'm um, 
uh, that I'm going to say about this is if you look at the people that he hired, um, then that sort of tells me that if they are willing to work for him, for him, that must give them the impression that he's serious about what he wants to do and that they like the way he showed them that how he's going to do it. And um, other than that, I'd say, okay, fine, design your games and show them and then we'll see. Yeah, I think that's that's true. I mean, always give people the benefit of the doubt, and unless they 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 prove themselves unworthy of that, so yeah, they seem to have a good team working down there. Let's see what they come up with. Exactly. So, um, I guess this concludes our um, uh, podcast. Um, yeah, I think there, so. Yeah, there was one thing I forgot to mention when we were discussing Iron Maiden, and that was that uh, you have to give. Uh, uh, kudos to Stern Pinball for showing up at the Midwest Gaming Classic with 30 Iron Maiden games. That was very impressive. Uh, and, and it was about 50 machines in total, I think. 50 they had, machines they? in total. That's uh, absolutely very, very impressive. So, um, again, it seems that Stern is on a sort of... Um, I'm not sure whether you can call it a marketing strategy, but they are definitely trying to show the rest of the world like who they are and what they are capable of. Um, yeah, and also let's not, not forget that uh, at the weekend of the Texas show, they had, uh, what, 25 machines in Texas, they had another 25 machines or so over in the uh, at, uh, pinball, um, what's it, Arcade Expo? Arcade over Expo, in yes, yes. Yeah. So, same kind of scale, but split across two sites. Um, that's working with Marco. Um, Marco, of course, being you know, Stern's um, show partners, I guess you'd, you'd say. Yes. Is that, is that a good description? Yes, no, absolutely. So, um, so kudos for Stern for um, doing that. And actually, um, um, unfortunately, neither both of us have been to the uh, um, Midwest Gaming Show uh, this year. Um, Gary did. Um, I was actually expecting him to call, but yeah, I thought he was going to call. We we normally get a call from Gary, and the one time we actually want to hear from him, there's there's nothing. Yeah. So um, so maybe more news about that on future episodes. Um, although it might be too late to discuss that show by then. But um, yeah, it's a pity uh, that he didn't call. But. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there will be plenty of news coming up from, from events that happened there. And uh, just a little shout-out, um, I, I don't think you're going to the Golden State show, are you, in um, this month, later this month, are you, Jonathan? But, no, but, no. no I, I, I will be there um, in Lodi, uh, looking forward to that. And um, I will be hosting um, a seminar, recording the seminars as well, to go on the Pinball News website. And um, yeah, hosting a, uh, a fireside chat with um, with Jack and Butch from uh, Jersey Jack Pinball. Oh, that's very interesting. Um, I do have, on a personal note, if I may be so blunt, um, I do have news regarding Pinball Magazine number five. Ah, yes, I was going to ask you about that. Good. Go ahead. What's happening with with uh, Pinball Magazine number five, Jonathan? The good news is um, I finished editing all the copy of the cover story and side articles. Um, so uh, f from now on, all I have to do, and it sounds easier than it 
probably is. But basically, I'm now starting on the layout of uh, the magazine um, to basically make every page look like they should be looking. Um, this was quite a task. Um, you uh, People might not understand, but the cover story in itself is like probably over 200 pages in plain text. And um, I had great help with this cover story from uh, Gordon Hesse, who is an award-winning copy editor uh, in the uh, world of advertising uh, and a, a, a well-known pinball historian. He is. He's a very, very knowledgeable guy and will also be at the Golden State Pinball Festival doing a seminar, by the way. But carry on. Right. Um, thank you for that. Um, so what happened was, um, first I proofread and edited all the entire cover story um, and uh, that took time. Then I sent everything to Gordon who went over it and he came with a, a lot of changes um, and comments and suggestions which meant that I had to go over it again to make sure that uh, to approve either his corrections or um, uh, uh, do something with the comments that he uh, mm -hmm. uh, left, which I did. And, um, well, obviously, uh, there was a show in between and uh, uh, my DJ uh, activities, I also spin as a DJ, um, uh, took, uh, we, we had quite some festivities here in Holland, so I was busy with that, but so I'm finally happy to say, like, everything now is ready to go into the magazine. And um, uh, so, I'll so come on, when's it going to be ready? Just tell us when it's going to be ready. Well, <laughs> I seriously hope to go to print by the end of this month. Right. Which, which so, it, it so appears it, it, June, that, then. That, that should be doable. So, so my focus will be... Um, do the layout of these pages. Um, all the photos that will be in the magazine, or at least the majority, is already prepared to go into the magazine. So from now on, it's just like, okay, we need to insert, here's a bit of text, here's a photo going there, and okay, it doesn't look good, okay, move on to the next page. But it's going to be like a 300-plus page magazine this year, this time. Wow, sounds like it'll almost be like a book. I'm afraid it is, yes. Wow, you ought to use that as a, as a, as a marketing slogan. Yeah, it could be my tagline. Pimble yeah, magazine, okay. More like a book. So, wow. anyway, and well, speaking of Pimble Magazine, if there's people listening to this uh, great podcast, if I may say so, um, if there's any issues of Pimble Magazine that you don't have yet, go to the Pimble Magazine website and um, feel free to order. Bravo, well done. Well, and that's all the, all the plug I'm going to do because I don't want to be shamelessly <laughs> plugging myself the entire time. Oh, no, no, of course not. No, no. So. Heaven forbid. Right. Right. Jolly so. good. Okay. Well, as you say, that sounds like uh, we've, we've covered everything in this particular podcast. Don't forget to check out the, the interview with Andrew Highway on Pinball News. Right. And if you missed it, also check out episode number two of our podcast for the interview with Jack Warnieri. Oh wow! Yeah, that was uh, that was that was extra special to be able to do that. Uh, just uh, unexpected, but uh, a really good opportunity, and it was too good to miss. Okay, so uh, let's round it up for now, and um, I hope to uh, hear or see everybody back for a next uh, episode early next month. Thank you. Yeah, take care, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>